Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone, and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Joe Spencer has supported Independent Tech News directly for five years. Be like Joe. Become a DTNS member right now at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, April 17th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. In Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And uh, from the L.A. County area, not a pork connoisseur, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chen. See, good day, Internet, for more on why Roger is referencing pork. Not a pork connoisseur, get out of here. We are going to talk a little bit more about Qualcomm and Apple and how Intel got pulled in and affected by their patent dispute and subsequent patent piece. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. At the request of a court in the state of Tamil Nadu in India, the Indian federal government sent a letter requesting that Apple and Google both remove the TikTok app from their app stores. The court determined that TikTok encouraged pornography. TikTok is no longer available in either Google or Apple stores in India as of Wednesday. Neither company commented on the removals. But a spokesperson for TikTok said that the matter was still in the courts and was still optimistic about the outcome. The next hearing on the matter is scheduled for April 24th. Multiple companies around the world have pledged to donate funds to repair Notre Dame after the devastating fire that destroyed its 19th century spire, damaged much of the roof, among other things. Disney, Apple, dating service Badoo, and Ubisoft are among them. Paris-based Ubisoft in particular uh, is donating because it's from Paris and included a model of Notre Dame in its Assassin's Creed Unity game. Not only that, just a quick side note, they uh, are giving away today only, if you are, have Origin on your PC, not Origin, you play on your PC, you can go get a copy of Assassin's Creed Unity as a gift to players who want to remember uh the, the 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 thing happening so that's kind of cool nice. uh, reuters has three sources who say apple has talked with at least three uh, excuse me four companies about supplying next generation lidar sensors used in aut- autonomous cars apple is reportedly uh, seeking chapter sensors that uh, s- excuse me cheaper sensors that are easy to mass produce apple likes mass producing things apple self-driving car uh, efforts are supposedly called project titan didn't go well at Blizzard. We'll see how it does there. And has supposedly been developing its own LiDAR system. Uh, the in, uh, interest in the sensor implies that Apple is developing more than just software. Waymo makes what is called the Perception Stack, which is then installed in cars from auto manufacturers. They may also want, uh, or it may be what Apple's developing, developing as well. 
Nine to Five Mac reports that its sources say Apple's working on an app codenamed Green Torch to replace the Find My Friends and Find My iPhone apps. It would add a feature called Find Network, which supposedly can track the device even if it's not connected to cellular or Wi-Fi. It would also work with Apple-made tags to be able to track non-Apple things. The combined app would be available on iOS and macOS as well. Let's talk a little bit more about Netflix. They had their earnings report yesterday, Scott. They did well. Uh, Netflix added a record 9.6 million subscribers in quarter one with 1.7 million in the U.S. and 7.68 million international. That is 16% over last year. Netflix uh, projected it would add 5 million subscribers in quarter two, uh, which would be down 8% over last year. Netflix revenue was up 22%. Over last year, and it's 76% or sorry, 76 cents per share earnings that were well ahead of the expected 57% or 57 cents. Boy, I can really talk today. Netflix also announced in the UK it uh, will test showing viewers top 10 lists of most popular content by category. Chief Content Officer Ted Sarandos says Netflix plans to share more granular data on viewing with producers and customers. So yeah, Netflix did really well this quarter. Netflix expects to uh, dip a little next quarter, especially with all the price rises they're doing. And uh, Netflix is going to start telling you a little bit more about what's popular. I'm surprised by that last one. I thought Netflix yeah. would just go on saying, you know what, maybe occasionally we'll tell a producer some viewing numbers under NDA, but nobody needs to know what they are. And it sounds like they're starting to say, you know, people tend to watch what other people think is popular, and we need to lean into that. If you don't know what the popular kids are watching, some people won't watch as much content. And Netflix's whole deal is getting you to watch more Netflix. The SEO of Netflix apps is yeah. here, everybody. Also, I'm a little surprised that they are just realizing, or maybe they're not just realizing this, but it feels like they are. That's that's data I love to hear about. I love to find, you don't have to tell me exactly how many people are watching, but if you come to me and say, of the people on on Netflix as a whole love zombie movies. I like that data because, A, it helps explain why there's so much of it and why Netflix is, you know, putting more in all the time in that category. But maybe I want to watch more of it and I'd like to hear what other people are watching. And I I think that stuff's genuinely motivating for somebody who's looking for something to binge through. Yeah, as a consumer, I love that stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm just, I get down a rabbit hole of content. It's like, if you like this show, you might like this other show you've never heard of. Sometimes I don't. Often I do. If I was a producer of content, then that that information would be extremely helpful to me. Mm -hmm. I think they might be trying to encourage the water cooler talk too, to say like, let's show people the top 10 sci-fi movies so that they're more likely to watch the one that's number one. Like, ooh, everybody likes that one. I guess I'll watch that one. It makes the decision easier. And suddenly you're talking to more people about it because you know more people out there watched it because it's at the top of the list. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting move from them. Mm-hmm. Microsoft launched its Xbox One S All Digital Edition for pre-orders Tuesday. It begins shipping May 7th for $250. The new version of the Xbox One comes with Forza Horizon 3, Sea of Thieves, and Minecraft for free, pre-installed. It does not have an optical drive, though. They're pre-installed, and all your stuff has to be downloaded. Microsoft also announced the new Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription for $15 a month that combines Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass into one offering. And Microsoft also said that brick-and-mortar game retailers will be encouraged to sell download codes alongside optical discs 
since Microsoft found that teenagers three times more likely to buy in a store than online. So that, it, it, how is that? True. It's weird data points where they're like, more people are downloading stuff. So we want to make a box that doesn't have downloading. We also want to make that cheaper because we don't have to include an optical drive, although you can argue about whether you really think it's that much cheaper or not. But they also know that they sell a lot to teens and teens, maybe because their parents don't let them use credit cards online or are weird about shopping online, often buy in person because they can use cash. I have a, I have a distinct express experience with this. So, um, they really don't like to be uh, avid game fans, even if they're working full time, talking about like a 16 to 18 year old kid. If they're working full time and they're making their own expendable money, they can't stand being limited by you and, and your control, meaning you, the parent and your control over the Internet, your control over the box that's under the TV or the services at which you're trying to access. So would they prefer the ease of use that I find in digital only sort of uh, video game consumption? Absolutely, they would, and they would do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, PC gamers are probably doing that. But when they have to go check with dad every time they need a credit card approval or every time they're like, is it okay if I do this? Uh, I'll then mow the difference to you. It starts to become a process they don't want to deal with. They'd rather hop in their crappy car, meet with their friends at the mall, and go to the GameStop and have some fun in there and laugh and pick up a disc for cheap. Like, I, I really think that that date is real. And I'm not surprised. And that was sort of where my mind went. Uh, Sort of like, oh, okay. So I guess the mall situation is still really working for a company like Microsoft. But it's a little bit more about getting away from your parents, which is, you know, the age old situation. Yeah, They just don't want to have you. So you just don't like being tied to this isn't mine. It's my dad's. And every time you need to do anything meaningful, you got to get permission. Even if you don't, it just still feels at least that's been my experience with my own kids. And I totally get why that they want that kind of uh, autonomy. They autonomy. want it with their phones. They want it with their entertainment. They want it with their video. They want it with everything. I think there's some hope for brick and mortar here. I think there's there's it's another example. We're seeing little examples like the rise of vinyl uh, coming back. The fact that uh, young kids often like books in print versus ebooks or audiobooks, and the idea that teens want to shop in person. I mean, maybe not each individual niche of that can survive, but combo stores that provide that sort of safe haven and hangout place where you can do all of that sort of stuff in person feels like feels like there's something there for the Barnes and Nobles and GameStops of the world to lean into. Yeah, and I, and I totally forgot to address this, but real quick, that is an interesting aspect of this that nobody really thought of. And I think I think Microsoft's trying to get ahead of it. and I get it. But also as a general trend, I think this is the right direction. This is late in a cycle. I don't know if this is going to decide for anybody whether they get an Xbox or this late in the game or not. But a digital-only box that's a little bit cheaper, has some nice pack-ins. Uh, we talked earlier in the uh, morning show that I wished it was 200 not 250 but that's more of a psychological block. Um, I think that there's a market for this, and I also think that there is a market moving forward with new boxes whatever the next Xbox is, whatever PlayStation 5 is, that they may opt to not have optical drives and go digital for a lot of their base because I would certainly do that like in a heartbeat. I think this is a test to see how that works with their audience. Yeah. Well, that's not all our Microsoft news for the day. Microsoft also unveiled the Surface Hub 2S, the new version of the interactive whiteboard. The Surface Hub 2S is 60% slimmer and 40% lighter than the 2015 model, you might remember. You can even add a mobile battery to it so you can wheel it around on a stand designed by Steelcase. The 50-inch display has a 3840 by 20. 
560 resolution. That's very big. It runs on an 8th gen Intel Core i5 with 8 gigabytes of RAM, 120 gigabytes of storage, and Intel UHD Graphics 620. The Surface Hub 2S ships in June for $9,000. Yeah, so it's a business thing. You're not going to buy this for your house unless you're very rich. I know. Um, and everyone kind of laughed at me before the show because I was like, who's going to buy this? Lots of lots of you know folks in, in the business sector would be like, this is perfect for us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of companies is- are going to be like, I yeah. paid $9,000 for that. But some corporation that wants to impress people or show how cutting edge it is or, or just sees this as like a super helpful productivity ad might say, yeah, $9,000, totally worth it. Capital expense. We can amortize it, deduct it from our taxes. Not a problem. Um, but it does imply to me that the Surface Hub is getting some uptake if, if they're continuing to develop it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this strikes me as um, a growth area in the areas where, where Microsoft seems to be finding the most success lately, which is kind of corporate space. And I could see every Oh gosh, there's a there's a big industrial park near us or office park where there's just everybody's got an office in there from Intel all the way down to some game developers and all of them are going to have something like this in there. I guarantee it. Because when you can get a, a room full of people and you're not relying on, you know, an aging projector or other sort of whiteboard crappy ways of doing things and you want to save all of that, like there's a lot of benefits to this that probably pay for itself over time. So to me, if you're if you're a company that does that kind of business, this is probably a no brainer. I'd love to know if it runs like straight up Windows. I didn't read the actual article, but mm-hmm. I would love if it's just like if I can click around <laughs> and use it like like that sort <laughs> just of just make it your 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 uh, your workstation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, theoretically you could. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something about that's really intriguing, but I think that's the same reason I like giant telephones. Uh, you need to make the Surface Hub available for the co- rest of the conference room. You can't you can't make this your workstation, Scott. <laughs> I'd like to imagine it being in my little home office. It's like, where would it go? Probably in front of the entire window. (laughs) (laughs) Then your window could be whatever you want. You could see people out as to what's happening in there. I mean, I I actually, I mean, the $9,000, you know, I like to laugh because I'm just like $9,000. That's so much money, even if you're a business. But um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, in 2015, we got a Surface Hub. Clearly, uh, it, the well, maybe not clearly, but assumed that the company would have probably abandoned this effort if they weren't selling enough models. And so the fact that it's still going strong is uh, reason enough to believe that there are enough companies who 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 want their interactive whiteboard. And this yep. is the 2S. We're going to get the Surface Hub 2 later this year, apparently. There you go. Uh, the UK's mandatory age verification requirement will come into force July 15th, two days before my birthday. So that's how I'm celebrating it. <laughs> uh, sites whose content is more than one third pornographic uh, and charged to access it will have to verify that UK visitors are 18 years old or older. Uh, sites who fail to comply will be blocked in the UK. What if the one third's really hardcore, though? I got questions about this. Anyway. The British Board of Film Classification will uh, regulate the law. Among the acceptable forms of verification are one called Age ID. This is from MindGeek, which requires users to submit a driver's license or passport. Uh, News agents will also sell age verification cards with a code to use online. But seriously, one third pornographic. What if the what if that third Tom is like the worst, most hardest core porn uh, ever? According to this law, then you don't have to verify ages until you go over a third. Good. But but that okay. So it's like I, I you know I I can think of some domains where I'm like yeah porn 
graphic content. I know, I know what that would be. Don't want to give them my driver's license if I were in the UK and I was, you know, w- within these parameters. No way. Are you kidding me? No. But what about the sites that are two thirds not pornographic? <laughs> what What do you mean? I mean, I mean, if if, if you have a variety of content and a third or more of it is pornographic. Well, that means still the large majority of it is not. So you don't necessarily- Oh, you mean the sites that have more than a third pornographic, but less than 50%. So the majority of their content is not. I mean, basically what you're saying is, look, if, if you've got that much on there, you need to verify age because we don't want 18-year-olds seeing it. Uh, and if you have less than a third, I guess it's okay for 18 year olds to try to figure out That's where it what is. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's like, there, I mean, there are so many. There you guys are so really getting hung up on this third of, pornographic thing. I know. Honestly, I don't this know is why. The least, this is the least controversial part of this. What about uh, the fact that every teenager is going to easily figure out how to get around this? Uh, well, and every yeah. adult is going to be, I don't want to deal with this. No, I'm not sending my driver's license like Sarah said. I mean, it's it's going to be enforced on the wrong people is my guess. Well, that's yeah. why I, I agree 100% with you. And that's that's why I'm hung up on it because it's so arbitrary and silly and non, you can't blanket this stuff. It's you either got to go in micro or you got to macro and the internet's really hard to micro. You can't go in and go, well, whatever. This is an argument with the, with the entire uh, legislation system happening in Europe. And I can't ever have that argument with them, but it just feels crazy to, 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 to have it both ways. Cause you either got to get all in there and then minutia, or you have to look at it broadly and you can't, do these half measures plus kids are just going to get around it. I'll I'll be honest. I don't care if it's half a third, a quarter, it doesn't change my opinion on this law at all. Like that's the least interesting part of it to me. To me, it's all about the fact that you're trying to block people from seeing something that they are not going to have a problem using a VPN or getting someone to let them borrow their ID code. Cause these age, these IDs you get at the news agents just have a code that you type in to say like, yeah, I've, I got this card. Obviously no one else could have ever got this card, but me. So now I'm proving well, Tom, that's, I mean, that's not possible. It's not like, you know, minors have gotten fake IDs ever. That's just not something that you can well, do. Yeah, you know, it used to be that the kids would hang out outside the news agents and ask you to go in and buy beer for them. Now they'll be asking you to buy these cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm gonna I'm only gonna look at the other two thirds. Come on, help a guy out. That'll be good for the coming of age movies because we need some sort of new This will be theirs. But uh, uh, Got some bad news for the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Uh, Several journalists with review units have reported that they folded and not in a good way. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman says he removed a protective layer that he thought was a screen protector, and he was able to just grab one corner of it and pull it off. Uh, And it turns out you're not supposed to do that. Uh, And that causes problems with the screen. That protective layer is there on purpose. Uh, other folks have done the same thing, including Marquez Brownlee, uh, a.k.a. MKBHD. For the record, Samsung did say not to remove it. And Mark and Marquez both were like, yeah, we, we didn't notice that. And we just thought it looked like a screen protector. And we feel that probably a lot of consumers might think the same thing. The Verge's Dieter Bone, however, says that that was not his issue. He found something pressing up against the screen right near where the hinge happens along the crease, which ended up... Sh- pressing sharply enough to break the OLED screen within a couple days of getting his. And Steve Kovac uh, reports that the Samsung Galaxy Fold they got at CNBC has a broken screen that flickers on one half, though it's a little unclear why that happened. 
Uh, I know the one from The Verge is being sent back to Samsung and they're going to investigate to see if something got in there or if the hinge broke. Either way, it's not good. And all of these various problems with the Fold from responsible journalists who are like, yeah, we didn't treat these things particularly harsh uh, and we're just trying to use them the way consumers would and they're having problems. Well, and the fact that there are a variety of problems. That's the problem. Yeah, okay, really removing bad. protective uh, layer, you know, it's like, sure, we're all kind of used to that when, you know, we get new phones for the most part or, or a lot of electronics. Like, okay, I could see you being like, ah, oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that. Shoot. And Samsung but, could fix that with some warnings or, or a little change of design. Well, apparently there were warnings, but the warnings were not heated well enough. With better warnings so that yeah, people with better, actually yeah, with, them, yeah, with yeah. like more exclamation points or whatever but the fact that there are a variety of of issues that don't appear to be related to one another yeah. that's the problem especially with review units yeah plus they're yeah exactly i was going to say that these review units are you know they don't just send them to anybody and they're very careful about it and they come with a package probably with some documentation and thank you for taking a look at it like they really want the reviewers to get the best possible impressions and if this is happening to a lot of them, I don't think this is just random. I, think the, I have a very clear sense of why they're having a problem. It's because they were so secretive about this for so long. They did not let anyone touch it at CES. They were barely letting reviewers have time with it in press briefings uh, before they would whisk it away. I don't think it got enough real world use. I know they had machines like moving those hinges hundreds of times to prove that it was durable, uh, but it's not till you get it into real people's hands that you really know what kinds of situations it will need to face. And I think the secrecy around it, which was either because they wanted to preserve the information or they just uh, weren't ready, didn't serve them well. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, we'll serve you well. Subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right. Yesterday, we told you that Qualcomm and Apple had settled their patent disputes. Apple has agreed to license Qualcomm patents for at least six years and buy parts from Qualcomm and all that. Now, hot on the heels of that announcement Tuesday evening, Intel announced it's canceling its line of 5G chips for phones that had been scheduled for launch next year. Intel had become the sole supplier of 4G wireless chips to Apple for the iPhone during the dispute with Qualcomm. But Intel is not going to be supplying those. Qualcomm's going to be supplying them. So it does look like Apple and Qualcomm made peace and Intel decided, you know what? We're not going to make these parts anymore because Apple's not going to want to buy them from us anymore. Now, Intel did say it will continue to invest in 5G chips for network infrastructure. They'll continue to look at modem chips for non-phone devices. But it's a timely coincidence. In fact, sources told Nikkei Asian Review the Apple Qualcomm settlement was negotiated for weeks and that Apple was concerned that Intel couldn't meet Apple's 5G schedule. And that is what encouraged Apple to settle with Qualcomm. Apple reportedly asked suppliers to test Qualcomm 5G modems a few weeks ago. And with Intel pulling out of the phone 5G modem part of this business that kind of leaves MediaTek as the biggest competitor to Qualcomm in the phone modem space but they're not going to get any orders from Apple because Apple's tied up with Qualcomm through this settlement. Yeah, um I I feel like a, a, an era's passing. I mean, I know it has ramifications for that company and others and Intel getting out's kind of a big deal but hearing that Apple and Qualcomm are going to bury the hatchet 
after right. what I feel like my whole life has been <laughs> feels weird to me. It's almost like saying that Samsung and Apple will never have another lawsuit. And, that well, and I, I think that's the, that's sort of where, you know, sometimes you got to step back and be like, yeah, litigation really counts for a lot when it comes to companies, doesn't it? Because Yes, Apple and Qualcomm uh, deciding, like, let's just, like, handshake and walk away from it, and we're cool again. When we talked about it yesterday, which was somewhat briefly, it's like, what? That's, I mean, did everyone, did all the lawyers just, like, get really tired one day and just decide, like, we don't want to do this anymore? No, there's a lot more to it. Um, and obviously, Apple is looking forward and thinking, huh, well, we got some issues with Qualcomm, but if Intel is out of the game and we need stuff from Intel, then... Now we have to make nice and we'll we'll pay some money because we can afford it. And, you know, it just kind of goes back to all that high level corporate stuff. Yeah. And and uh, folks in our chat room are like, oh, it sucks that Intel was relying on one company. Well, <laughs> I think that's oversimplifying. Intel has lots of customers for lots of products. Apple was the biggest yeah. customer for 5G modem chips from Intel, but they couldn't even meet the yield needs for Apple is what it sounds like. If they couldn't meet the yield needs for one customer, they certainly weren't going to be able to meet the yield needs for other customers. It doesn't mean they only had one customer. It means they just couldn't make enough of these and Qualcomm can. So that moved Apple to the table to settle this. Yeah, and it's uh, probably, I don't know, I, I actually don't never know these days if these kinds of disputes actually hurt the industry or slow anything down or or cause a lack of innovation or any of the things that I would normally fear that kind of litigation would create. I think it's so systematic now. By systematic, I mean, you know, giant multi-billion dollar companies with huge fleets of lawyers all sort of going at it. It's almost happening happening separate from the companies that are just doing their day to day. It's just like, the other thing that we do over there is our lawyering and over here we make products. Right. So I, I think it definitely matter, slows but... down innovation. I think that's right. definitely happening, but yeah, it's, it's hard to know like on what scale, uh, oh, you know, I depending know. on. You could argue this encouraged innovation. Intel might not have even got into that 5g modem chip business if it hadn't been for Apple. Uh, and it certainly has caused Apple to start looking at maybe developing its own modem chips. So, Hey, you know, just throwing another side there. Like, it's it's easy to say that uh, having patent disputes does dis, uh, dissuade some innovation, yes. but yeah, a, a rise of the maybe it has some side effects. The the smaller army, five G. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the, the, the upshot of this is you're not going to see Intel competing with Qualcomm. Uh, you will st still see MediaTek. Uh, maybe you'll see Apple make their own. But for six years, Apple's going to be buying their parts from Qualcomm. So they've got some time to develop their own if they're going to. And uh, we'll probably get a 5G iPhone in 2020. Yeah. Plus, this feels like a part of the not groundwork, but the the scuttering around that we're all doing, getting ready for 5G, like an actual 5G, you know, actual protocols being deployed, modems that are physically working, using, like we're actually entering a new phase of connectivity. And part of that is who's suing who, who and we got to not do this. And are we investing or not? Nope, but we're backing out. We're Intel. Okay, well, these other guys will take care of it. Like it feels there's a weird energy about it to me. Yeah. Well, it's time to make money. You can't be uh, suing about what might happen because now it's time to actually do things. It's time to go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You know when it's time to go. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you hang out on Facebook, we've got a group. Please join at facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Lots of good stuff in the mailbag today.
Indeed. Philip wrote, I'm a user experience designer, and I'd like to comment on Patrick Beja's uh, dislike of hamburger menus and his theory of lazy design as the reason for them. First, nobody likes hamburger menus. I've never met a UX, UI, visual, or any other kind of designer that likes the horrid things. Second, it's not laziness that creates the use case for hamburger menus, just like it's not laziness that creates the need to use drop-down interactions, which have proven to be equally abhorrent in testing. What causes the use of hamburger menus, or their like, is a combination of lack of space and or content and features that an app may have. It's easy to say that the designer should create a graphical UI. However, on a limited size screen, when you have to take into account allowing proper white space, tap targets, and so on, in many, if not most cases, it's not possible. At some point, you need to create an information architecture, prioritize the most used features, and then design the UI to allow the easiest access to those with learnable paths for the others. Concluding, while nobody really likes the hamburger menus until some magical thought reading interface comes along that can know where the user wants to go within the interface, they're going to be around for the foreseeable future. My favorite Wrong. thing is when I'm looking at a hamburger menu from a restaurant and they have a hamburger menu for me to pick my options. Inception. <laughs> you know, I always like to say, can I get the hamburger, but with chicken? I like to do that. <laughs> You'd like chicken on your hamburger? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, uh, I like to basically turn the thing that's up there into another thing they have on the menu, but not what I ordered. I'd like the veggie burger with bacon, please. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Nick wrote in and said, 3D audio is just the generic name for multi-speaker technologies like Dolby Atmos and DTSX and their headphone-based equivalents. Brand name versus generic name, if you will. In regard to 3D audio, Sony is playing catch-up to the Xbox One and Windows 10, which both already support Dolby Atmos and are getting DTSX support added soon. Thank you, Nick. Oh. Very cool. Yeah, that sheds a little bit more light on what people mean when they say 3D audio. And Mike from Kelseyville, California, what up, Lake County, says, I currently use an app called Duet, duetdisplay.com, that turns the iPad into a second monitor on a Mac or a PC. The iPad is controlled by the display's control panel in Windows or by system preferences on the Mac, and it can extend or mirror the main display. It works great. Cost 20 bucks, requires a lightning cable to connect to your computer's USB port. And that was in response to our story from yesterday about Apple developing their own version of this. Yeah, there's as I mentioned yesterday, there's lots of ways to do this uh, other than, than them doing it themselves or even the one we talked about yesterday. So thank you, Mike, for sharing. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, 
you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. And thank you to Scott Johnson for being with us on this happy hump day of ours. Scott, what's been going on in your world? Well, uh, real quick, one of these days I should talk about Reflector 3. It's a little piece of software I use to extend displays through AirPlay, but you can use it on PCs and a bunch of stuff. It's awesome. Uh, I am uh, very busy doing all sorts of things, but one of my favorite things to do right now is a little show with the aforementioned Patrick Beja called the Monthly Video Game. What is it? Briefing. (laughs) Why do I do that? The monthly video game briefing or MVGB. And we do it every month. And Patrick and I get together, two guys that love video games, love talking about the industry around video games. And so we do that and we pound that out and we hope people like it. And the only way to find out if you do is to go check it out. There's a link that's very easy to get to over on the DTNS site, or I have a convenient one on mine, frogpants.com slash MVGB. And uh, come join us, send us your feedback and see what you think. I think you'll like it. So every month we're trying to get at least as many patrons as last month. Uh, We're short of last month's total right now, but we have had two more people join than yesterday. So we're too closer to getting to that goal. We just need a few more of you out there to become members at patreon.com slash DTNS and, uh, and get the benefits of that membership. It only costs a dollar a month to get in the door. Go check out the benefits at patreon.com slash DTNS. And please, uh, if you're going to be in Las Vegas uh, next weekend, come hang out with me and Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett and my wife, Eileen, will be there at VivaTMSVegas.com for all the details. Yeah, Justin Robert Young as well. So oh, if right, you can Justin stand that, what am I talking about? Everybody's going to be there. That old cat. <laughs> Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. If you have questions and comments and anything, send them to us. Also, if you'd like to join us live, we are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more. Tell a friend at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with the aforementioned Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. Why isn't that playing? This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Primary Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.